Thank you. I see a lot of familiar faces, and uh, unfortunately, uh, many of you have heard a lot of my sorry jokes. So I'll try to, um, I'll try to refrain from uh, those. Who out here is, is seven years old in the audience? Any seven-year-olds? Stand up. If, if you're seven years old, stand up. There's a couple of you out there. When I was seven years old, I was up in, in Michigan, in Cairo, Michigan. Um, if, you know, Michigan looks like a hand, and I was right there at my grandparents' house. And I was watching a black and white TV with my brother, and here's my brother. He's no longer seven. Can you stand up, Gary? Okay, I'm embarrassed my brother. <coughs> but when I was seven years old, my brother and I and my sister and grandparents and parents watched Neil Armstrong step on the moon. It was 1969, and at that time, we looked at each other and we said, wow, wouldn't it cool, be cool to be an astronaut? <laughs> well, I've been flying airplanes uh, for most of my career. I really loved math and science, and that kind of got me interested in maybe uh, designing airplanes and why, what, why not fly airplanes if you want to design them, and this led me to the place that I am today. In summary, it took me 40 years to figure out how to f get fly one <laughs> space flight, okay? So, but... It was worth the wait, and uh, I told my boss uh, right after um, landing, um, he said, well, it took 10 years. Was it worth it? And I said, it would have been worth 20. So it was a wonderful, wonderful flight. Um, we were the 25th assembly mi mission of the International Space Station, and uh, the space station, when it's complete, is going to look like that fellow right there. We took this little guy up there, the Japanese logistics module, and we took a little robot that you can't see in that picture. This picture is an earlier picture. It kind of gives you a sense for how small the space station was, and that was about eight missions or so of assembly. It started off with just two little modules, an American module and a Russian module. So today I'm going to talk a little bit about the, uh, the flight assignment. Those of you that were here about, uh, I guess it was almost two years ago now, I talked about some of the training that we were going to uh, be doing and you'll remember some of those slides, and then uh, I'll show you photos from orbit and, and some, some cool videos. Well, this is, uh, <laughs> this is what I looked like on the left uh, in high school, Fairborn Park Hills High School, now part of Fairborn High School, so we're all alumni with the Baker Hoos. But, um, but th yeah, that's what I looked like. And my son, my 15-year-old son, reminds me what I looked like when I was when I was in high school, so I can't really yell at him about his hair because he looks just like that. <laughs> but went off to pilot training, and I really passionately loved flying. And that really was a great part of, of my trip to becoming an astronaut was I just loved flying. And this is the birth of aviation, and I know there's a lot of folks in the audience here that, that love flying as well. I was talking to the, the general uh, today about... Um, his flying experiences, and I'm not going to tell you the thing he did on final when he was in pilot training. Uh, we'll save that for another time. Got to fly a lot of my time in the Strike Eagle and uh, got to serve the country uh, overseas. Uh, it was a wonderful uh, lead-in for me because at Edwards we did some testing on a, a red, white, and blue airplane that has some of the avionics uh, in the Strike Eagle, the active aircraft, and that was kind of the thing that got me tied in with NASA and maybe uh, allowed me to have the opportunity to be an astronaut. We had a class of 31 
uh, eight pilots and uh, the rest mission specialists. There's really two kinds of astronauts, uh, the pilots and the smart ones. And, uh, <laughs> and I, w I was a pilot. Of course, what we're doing in the space shuttle with the exception of the Hubble, uh, that's going to hopefully go later this year, uh, we have one more Hubble uh, repair mission, uh, is to build the space station. And you saw here, here we are. Uh, this is about six or seven years ago. And uh, that's the completed station. And this is the crew that I was assigned with uh, over two years ago to, to uh, take two wonderful pieces up to the International Space Station. Well, we, I talked to you about the smart guys, and these really are the smart guys, although he happens to be a pilot as well. He's a naval pilot, a P-3 test pilot. But these guys were the ones that went outside and did all the work. We had five spacewalks on this mission. That's a record for an assembly mission. We also had a whole bunch of robotics, and I, I was able to uh, fly both the space shuttle and the space station robotic arms, and that was one of the reasons that I was assigned to this flight. And Takao, He's our uh, Japanese uh, astronaut because we took the first Japanese piece up to the International Space Station. He was part of our crew. And then, of course, Dom Gori, uh, the commander over there, a, Navy, a Naval Academy graduate. And we had lots of talks about that since I went to Air Force. <laughs> Garrett Reisman, the guy upside down, all five foot four of him, uh, we took him up to the space station and left him there. And. Uh, <laughs> If you might have recalled the, the toilets that broke uh, aboard the space station, he was the one that enjoyed that uh, experience. And it, it, I truly was not enjoying it. I, I called him, actually. I was watching a movie. I'd been back from, from uh, space for almost two months. And I called him. I was in line at the movie theater. And, and uh, no, I didn't call him. He called me. That's right. He calls me on my cell phone. I'm standing in line at the movie theater. And I'm about ready to pay. And I get a, a call on the cell phone. And I said, oh, I, I got to step out of line. This is from space. Of course, the lady goes, yeah, right. <laughs> but, but Garrett, I said, how's it going? Man, the last two months have been wonderful until just last week, man. And he's telling me about the toilet, and it was not a good deal. <laughs> OK, back to uh, seriousness. This is the uh, Japanese logistics module. It looked kind of tiny when I pointed it out earlier. But you can see a person working on the JLP. And it's uh, very quite, it's quite large. And the Japanese uh, logistics module uh, was part of the Japanese lab system. This piece went up on the flight after us, and so it's up there now. And these uh, pieces are going up uh, a little later. We also took up Mr. Dexter. Mr. Dexter came in 11 different pieces in a shuttle launch platform. And our, our spacewalkers assembled Mr. Dexter on orbit. So that's why we had so many spacewalks. We had three spacewalks just dedicated to putting Mr. Dexter together. Oops. Here's a picture of us training. And Mr. Bob right here, he was our all-purpose MVP kind of guy. He did spacewalks. He did robotics. And he's got a really bright smile. He always has that smile. See him over there with that smile? He's smiling. Here we are at the Neutral Buoyancy Lab at Johnson Space Center. It's a huge pool, and uh, we're training for those spacewalks. Each of our five spacewalks had about five to seven dress rehearsals with a lifelike space station. And these guys go underwater in real gear. You can see them. They have all 
the same stuff they took on orbit except for the little booties. Uh, those are just to protect their feet uh, as they're walking around. But we're there going through the whole drill of spacewalks. And so you can imagine we spent many long days, you know, an eight-hour spacewalk times 35 practice sessions. We spent a lot, lot of time at the pool. And you could see water on Mike's face as he's uh, just exited the pool. And this is a pic, uh, photograph of the, of the pool. It's about half the size of a football field and 40 feet deep. And if I could take you under the water, you'd see a life-size mock-up of the space station. And there is the toilet, <laughs> but it's a working toilet. It's a toilet uh, that I, it was my job to operate um, as the pilot uh, of Endeavor, and I was very proud of that duty. We kept it clean, and I enforced good hygiene. <laughs> it, it did not break. Here we are uh, before flight uh, trying out uh, different cuisine. Takao is, is, is handing me some Japanese food. We had excellent food on, on our mission. We had an array of Japanese food that had never been taken to space. There were Russians up there uh, that had taken food, and maybe the Russian food wasn't quite as good as the Japanese food. We had a Frenchman. He was the guy who took Garrett's place. When we deposited Garrett, we brought back the Frenchman, and you'll see him in some of the photographs. Uh, and so we ate some French cuisine, and then, of course, we have some really good food ourselves. Uh, we have great shrimp cocktail. All right, so that was prepping for the flight. Now we're going to transition to the flight itself. We walked out. The launch time was 2.30 in the morning. And uh, this is about midnight. And it looks very bright, but that's just because there's lots of lights as we're stepping out to the orbiter. And when we lifted off, it was like, uh, it was like sitting on a wild animal leaping off the ground. It was unbelievable. And the, it was violent, and it was shaking. And for those first two minutes and 10 seconds or so, I honestly could barely see the, the panel in front of me. We had an overcast deck, and the light reflected off the clouds into the cockpit, and so it was this big orange glow inside. It was the most amazing experience of my life. We entered in the clouds about a mile up. It took us about 28 seconds to get there. And so I had about 300 guests there that went all the way down to Florida just to watch 30 seconds of launch. <laughs> but it was a pretty exciting 30 seconds. Okay, I've got a video here. It's going to kind of summarize the flight, and then I'll get back to the photos. This is the Commander Dom Gorey speaking. Can we dim the lights just slightly? East and west Is that possible? International Space Station. Those are the solid rocket boosters as they fall away. And after just eight minutes, we're going 17,500 miles an hour around the Earth. Just prior to rendezvous, where we join up with the International Space Station, we do a flip maneuver so they can look at our underside of our vehicle to make sure there's no major damage. This is the docking mechanism on the space station. The first in entrance into the International Space Station. 
What was funny is we just got there, went through a 30-minute safety briefing, and went to work. It was weird. I was an uh, arm operator. I'm actually moving the shuttle launch pallet with Mr. Dexter in it. But it was weird walking into the space station and getting to work in somebody else's house right after you get there. And then Takao, the very next day, he grabbed the... And that's Takao, our uh, Japanese astronaut. He operated the robotic arm, and it was just a m wonderful event for Japan and for Takao uh, to put that first Japanese piece. We had Rick Linehan, our veteran spacewalker and veterinarian. We have lots of different occupations that are represented in the space program. He was our medical doctor, too. A bunch of animals, yes, I know. Now the JLP is sitting, the first Japanese piece, the logistics module is sitting on the space station. And now we're putting Mr. Dexter together. Here's his body. Here's his hands. Using the robotic arm with Rick on the end of the arm, of, uh, uh, Rick on the end of the space station robotic arm, and he's grabbing the arms of Mr. Dexter. And I'm actually pulling him up with a robotic arm while they install the, the uh, robotic arms on top of Mr. Dexter. Now completed Mr. Dexter after three long spacewalks and his first movements in space. There's Mr. Dexter sitting out on the lab and the JLP, the Japanese piece we took up with us is sitting right there. Russian, I'll point him out in a photo later, but there's some other guys up there that were, were up there when we got there. This series of photos is fun for me because it reminds me of when, as the pilot, I got to do the undocking and fly around. That's one of the hand-flying hand tasks that the pilot gets to do. And now you see the space station as we left it after STS-123. All the little pieces and parts were melded into the hole. An absolute adventure. Okay, I'll continue on here. I'm getting, I'm getting a little windy. Winded, whatever. Okay, here's a picture of us as we're coming aboard the space station. And uh, is this mic cutting in and out? Do I need to adjust it? Okay. And you can see Mr. Dexter is happily sitting in the payload bay of the space shuttle. And here's the Japanese piece. And there's some other odds and ends that we brought up with us. This is a little closer view. You can see the shuttle's robotic arm. And we also have this big, long boom that we grab with this arm to make a really super long arm that we can inspect the underside of our vehicle. And there's Mr. Dexter hanging out, ready to get put together. And then there's the JLP. There's somebody looking out the window right there. There's Endeavor when we're docked. And you saw how that all worked. This photo, uh, we'll be able to see Yuri uh, Melchenko. He was our Russian. He was on the space station. Everybody in green is a space station crew member. And they are staying on the space station from, for two to seven months. 
And so this guy and Peggy, the commander, and she was toughy, and then Leo, the Frenchman, were the three that were up there when we got there. We took Garrett with us, but now he's already got a green shirt on. And then all the blue-shirted guys are the ones that made the round trip. So we brought the Frenchman back, and we left that guy. That's what it looks like inside of the laboratory where we operate the robotic arms. There's always two guys working, and I was the primary operator here, and Bob is backing me up, and Leo's hanging out to watch. We're very perplexed about the procedure, but Bob has a PhD. He's going to keep me straight. <laughs> the one thing that I was very surprised about when I went to space was uh, not the geometry of, of the equipment or the space station uh, that we were working on, but it was the backdrops behind all that equipment. In the simulator, you just got a digital picture of a view or whatever, and you're concentrating on what you're doing. But we had these backdrops. These are the these are the mountains in Patagonia in South America, and absolutely breathtaking, and it was distracting as we're trying to do our work, and we saw wonderful views all over the planet. As the Earth is rotating and we're zipping around every 90 minutes, we would actually see almost every piece of the surface of the Earth. And the urge that I had mid-flight was I just can't wait to go visit those places, but you never could, you know, but it was absolutely fascinating. There's the JOP, it's hanging out on the, on the lab, or actually on the node, I'm sorry. But that kind of doesn't mean anything to you. What, what's more relevant is you have various pieces and parts put together like Tinker Toys, and we actually temporarily stuck this uh, JLP on a, a little Tinker Toy ready to be moved somewhere else when the next piece came on board. There's Rick, uh, our primary spacewalker, and I'm actually operating the robotic arm with him on the end. Notice he's attached by his feet, and you can see the reflection. If the lights weren't quite so bright, you'd be able to see the reflection of the uh, shuttle launch platform right there in his visor. And there's Leo and I now are working, uh, moving Rick around. I love this photo, and the reason I love it is because you can see, see a whole bunch of really neat things in the visor of, of this astronaut, and I think this is Garrett. He's taken a picture of himself, so we're giving him a little bit of a hard time about that. But you can see how you see the camera that he's taken a picture of. You can see the space station behind him, and then you can see the Earth. They tell me it's the most breathtaking thing as they step out of the airlock and, and go out into outer space with nothing between them and the planet. It's unbelievable. This is a tough picture to take. All these, the, the video and photographs that I'm showing you tonight, we're taken by an astronaut on board. There's no press up there to help us out. And uh, this is a hard photograph to take because it's exposed inside the space shuttle, but outside it's so bright that you have to do a trick with the camera, and it's a very, very good picture. Rick is out here carrying a, a yaw joint that we were installing. It was a spare yaw joint we were in installing on the space station. And, uh, uh, and, and I guess he was eating grape jelly or something, it looks like. But, um, Anyway, uh, Mike took this wonderful photograph, and then uh, our uh, boss posed. So that's one of the coolest photos I've seen, where you have, have a guy inside smiling and then somebody working outside. We used to call Dom Gator, because all he did was float around and eat food. <laughs> I don't think he'd like me saying that, but that's, that's because he's Navy. OK, anyway. <laughs> Here we've got Mr. Dexter on the end of the 
a space station robotic arm, and this robot increased the complexity of the, of the, of the arm. Mr. Mr. Dexter's kind of like fingers on the end of an arm, so he can do a lot more things now than, than the, the arm uh, as it was before Mr. Dexter arrived. I took this photograph because I thought it was really cool how the shadow um, uh, was described on the uh, solar arrays. What the photograph doesn't show you is how huge those solar arrays are. As, as we were sitting there out the window looking at them, you couldn't even see half of the solar array in your peripheral vision. They're just enormous. And the whole space station is about the size of a football field. So as we came, we approached the space station, there was, there was a, a, a pretty significant amount of time where you lost the space, the whole, the borders of the space station, you'd actually feel like you're going into something, kind of like into the Death Star or something on Star Wars. It's really cool. Okay, working inside. I took this photo one morning because Mike didn't know I was there and he was upside down and this kind of shows how comfortable we were in zero gravity. I, I actually am taking this photograph right side up. We, we kind of have a right side up and an upside down. You know, the, all the writing is this way and this is the orientation that we're usually operating in the space shuttle. And Mike was upside down. He's reading a procedure and just happy as a clam upside down. And Dom is doing some work. That's great. I'm just kidding. No, he was a wonderful mentor to me. He, it was his fourth space shuttle mission. He flew twice as a pilot and then twice as a commander. And uh, I really learned a lot from it. It was, a, it was a joy flying with Dom Goy. I have uh, protective uh, goggles on my eyes because when we bring new modules to space, uh, there are off often little bits of uh, metal or debris that are inside the, the module. They try to get it all out, but uh, as a protective measure, uh, we wear goggles. Unless, of course, you're Peggy, and she's so tough as nails, um, she doesn't have a goggles on. Actually, I was in the... In the um, module working and then I came out and posed for this picture with Peggy. <laughs> There's Takao, he's doing a, a little uh, role in the uh, Japanese logistics module. He was really proud of, of his country, Japan, so he put a big flag on the back of, of the JLP and he actually drew a border where you're walking into Japan on, on the, on the <laughs> deck. One of my two objects, personal objects that I got to take up there with me uh, one of them was a flag that my dad received when he retired from the Air Force. And it was a full-size flag. And I took it in there one day and told him that Dom wanted me to tack it onto the wall, you know, so that we'd have an American flag and a Japanese flag in the JLP. Well, Takao was not happy about that at all. He, his mouth got dry and he started, you know, he started shaking. And so I just told him I was kidding him. We really had a lot of fun up there. That's working on a laptop. It looks like I'm attached to something, but I'm really not. I'm just kind of floating in midair with a laptop connected to the Velcro on my pants. I was able to send lots of emails to my family and friends, and uh, some of you in this room probably got an email from space. Okay, living in space, I told you the Russian food was horrible, and here's an example. I'm it's a little can of Russian food, and you can see the expression on my face. It was not good. It was something, you know, somewhere between uh, spam and... Alpo, something, you know, in their mix. <laughs> right here, though, this is good stuff. This is shrimp cocktail, and, and there are some really neat foods. There's a magnetic table here that the Russians use to stick their food onto, the, um, onto an eating surface. We used Velcro, and we had little trays with Velcro and attached those 
to ourselves and then we could eat. I really enjoyed eating on the ceiling though um, because you kind of get out of the way and, and remember up, up is down and down is up when you're in space and so uh, you could find little volumes uh, in, in a module that you might not expect on Earth. There's Takao in his, uh, in his workout outfit. This is a neat photograph taken by our veterinarian. We were playing around with water and one of the things that I loved in, in high school wa was just physics, just raw physics. And in space, you just have physics all around you. Everything is fun. And we were drinking uh, water one day and we started making these bubbles of water. And, and you'll note that this bubble of water, the surface tension of, of, of the water makes it a perfect sphere. And as long as you don't jiggle it, and of course, if you move that that uh, straw right there, it, it, it'll deform it a little bit. Eventually, it'll, it'll end up being a ball of water again. But it's right now, it's attached to the straw, so it's just kind of staying, staying there. And Rick had the camera, and I was looking at him, and he goes, I go, what? And he goes, stay there. And he took a picture. And so you can see my face is kind of upside down in this ball of water. It's kind of like a lens turns your head upside down. Pretty cool. So then we started playing with water, and Here's a piece of dental floss that we can use to maneuver a smaller ball, ball of water around. Because seriously, the ball of water, if it gets going, it'll, it'll float and it, once it touches something, it, it's stuck to it. You're never gonna get it off your hand. Uh, and so uh, we use dental floss to kind of maneuver the ball around and get it stable. And then we were kind of, everybody's all sitting around looking at it. And then I started tossing M&Ms into it. And the M&Ms, <laughs> I didn't know it was gonna happen. I thought maybe the M&Ms would hit the ball and break it in half or something, but instead the M&Ms went right into the ball. And then somebody else threw an M&M and, and so we have like three M&Ms that have collected inside this little ball. And uh, right after this, I went, walked over, or floated over and, and drank it. It was pretty funny. <laughs> okay, here's space graffiti. And uh, on the International Space Station, we put our patch, STS-123 patch. And it, in sticker form, we stuck it there, and then we all signed it. So that space station graffiti, it's flying over our heads as we speak. Okay, a few candid shots and we'll be done. This photograph just illustrates everybody was working on a different wall, but we all came together, um, and, and everybody's happy. Bob's upside down. We're really comfortable in zero gravity. It took a couple days to get used to it, but once we were used to it, we had no use for gravity. And of course, then when you get back, then it took two days to get used to gravity again, and that's a different story. All right, that's my favorite window. That was where I used to hide out. This is on the Russian side. And some of the backdrops of these uh, transition slides have this picture. I really enjoyed this window because I actually got some solitude, like 10 minutes at a time, where I wouldn't be bumping into another person. And uh, it's also got some neat uh, views outside of it. Okay, here we are playing around, uh, doing the zero gravity thing. And no, the guy up here is not working any harder than the guy down here. We're all just floating around. <laughs> this, this is on the cover of a Japanese magazine. We visited Japan after we landed, and uh, I was laughing to find this photograph on, on their, their equivalent of aviation and space uh, weekly, but, and technology, whatever. You know what I'm talking about. All right. So... I'd like to show you a short video of, uh, of some shots I took on Easter of last year. Um, I tried to convince my buddies that it's not just about work, but you have to have fun, and we had half a day off. And so here we have some dives from the International Space Station. Bob was the first guy, and being a PhD, he was real serious about this. 
got a little roll in there. It's really hard to get a pure translation in space because you have six degrees of freedom, you know, roll pitch yaw, and then, you know, up, up, down, left, right, and forward aft. You're just trying to go forward aft, that's it. It's really hard to do. Now Rick is on his fourth space flight. He's pretty good at it. It's a nice straight dive, just like Superman. Takao, on the other hand, did not have the degrees of freedom frozen. And there's our Frenchman, and that's not a very good dive at all, Leo. Okay, this is me just brown-nosing my commander. Okay, best dive, so it wasn't that good. He's kind of going down. You might note, note Peggy is working back there while we're all doing this. And there's Garrett back there working as well. Okay, this time I did get the pitch right. Got a little pitch going on. Notice Berkman, we're all Astros fans. So that was one of his personal items he brought with him. Now Rick shows me a perfect aileron roll. That's pretty good. Takao is going to try a second time to get those degrees of freedom frozen. Oh, it's better, but oh, no, it's not so good. Yeah, I threw the Kermit back. I said, that was not a good dive. Do it again. So I'm going to toss it back to him. And then... <laughs> he's going to give us a proper dive. Mike keeps trying, but he doesn't have his feet together, you know? Okay, this is my last try. and. It's not very good either. Oh! This is funny. Look up here. Look, look at the top of your picture. That's a Japanese camera that he took out. <laughs> and that kind of ended our diving for a couple minutes. And Mike said, okay, I'll do one more. And this is the, his very last one. Notice he has a different outfit on. Not good. <laughs> Tumbles are really hard to do because if you push on one side of your body, you have to push down on the other to make it so that you're not going to float to the ceiling or hit the floor. So it's very, very difficult to get a, get a perfect roll. This is a pretty good one right here. Or a perfect tumble, I should say. Everybody wave to Kermit.
okay, well, we, we did mess around for a half day on orbit, but it was a 16-day flight, so we had a lot of time to get good work done. But we also looked outside, and when we had some spare moments in between activities, looking outside was one of the favorite pastimes of the crew. Right here is South America again. We launched in, in the, at the nighttime, and, and we landed at night, so a lot of our passes over the United States were at night. Uh, but we flew a lot of daytime over the southern hemisphere, and this is South America at Patagonia, and you can see these beautiful glacier fields. This is about a 40-foot cliff, and you can see little chips of ice floating through this beautiful uh, water um, basin. Absolutely beautiful, breathtaking. We go up as high as 51.6 degree latitude on, on each orbit, and uh, we often would pass over um, uh, southern Canada and, and the very top of the United States, and we'd look to the north and see these beautiful aurora borealis. This is a nice picture that shows thunderstorms from space, and you can see the atmosphere does not extend very much higher than the thunderstorms. These things are about 60,000, maybe 50,000 feet, something like that. And the atmosphere is only maybe three or four times. And of course, it extends a lot higher than that, but it gets very, very um, uh, much less dense as, as you get up to about 200,000 feet and above. And this kind of gives me a sense of how fragile our atmosphere is. You know, as, as you look at the whole planet, you see how thick the atmosphere, and you realize it's about the, maybe the, uh, the thickness of an orange peel compared to an orange, and you really would want to protect that. This is a picture out my favorite window. This is the space shuttle right here. So you can see we're pretty far away from the space shuttle, maybe 150 feet. And in, in the foreground is the Russian Soyuz. You can see the Cyrillic writing. You can see Mr. Dexter is hanging out on the lab. And so you can see how far away from my buddies I am when I'm in my favorite um, little hiding spot. And here's a close-up picture of the Soyuz. This is Mount Everest from space. And this is the wonderful metropolis of Houston. And uh, I live right in this area. And the Hurricane Ike that just hit us recently just flew right over my house. It was really something. House was fine. A lot of houses in, in the neighborhood were not, but my, mine was fine. Okay, so coming home, we have to undock. It's really a sad thing. You've spent two weeks in orbit with a whole bunch of wonderful associates and friends. We're leaving Garrett. We've been training with him for about a year and a half. Uh, but when you, the moment that you undock, it's almost like you're in a different universe because you're completely separated and you're not going to see those guys again for quite some time. So it was a very emotional moment as well as a, being, uh, a very thrilling moment for me as I got to operate the space shuttle and fly all the way around it. It's kind of like a victory lap. You're looking at the space station from all angles to get photographs that aren't normally taken and uh, also to look at the configuration of the space station as you're leaving it at that moment in time. The space station is now bigger. It's got that Japanese lab on it and some other stuff uh, from STS-126. And uh, as, as the space station floats away, um, you remember those two weeks of, of, of wonderful adventure on the International Space Station. So the shuttle comes back and lands. We landed at night. We, want, we meant to land at day, Rev 249, the, this, the 249th orbit. We were hoping to land, but um, the weather didn't cooperate, so we landed just after sunset. 
Space Shuttle Endeavor on speed landing. Dom had one of the best landings in recent years. And there's the six of us that made the round trip. Note the Frenchman, he's been up on the space station for about three or four months, and his body just can't handle gravity quite yet. And we're all pretty wobbly as well. You can see us all kind of hanging on to each other. Um, and we're very dehydrated. It's interesting, when you go into space, your body gets rid of a lot of fluids. So even though we drink quarts of water before we come in for reentry, we're still all very dehydrated as we stand underneath Endeavor. And that's the end of my pitch.